Welcome back to another episode of Vio's Balls, a podcast where two avid long-term fans talk about UT sports, from football to baseball and everything in between. I'm your host, Thomas, and as always, joining me is James. How are you doing this evening? What's up, Tommy? I'm doing good, man. It feels like it's been a long time since we talked, man. We've had a bunch of stuff going on, baseball, football. You know, it's uh, overall been a pretty good, you know, week, but I'm glad to be back on, man, to kind of talk about some of the stuff going on. Yeah, it's... There's a lot of stuff that's been happening since the last time we did since the last time we did an episode. Um, I know we so, but yeah. So the big thing, really, so a couple of things that happened. We'll start off with this baseball. Is we finally have our full coaching staff, which is good, and we, maybe we'll stop losing players. Yeah, definitely. Well, luckily for us, the transfer portal is officially closed. So you know, the guys we got are the guys we got until it opens back up. But yeah, man, we made two official hires. Uh, first one is, you know, we had uh, Philip Miller reassigned to like a, a special assistant to the head coach. Um, not, not kind of sure, you know, what that technically is. It sounds like a kind of a vague term to keep him around the program, but have him, you know, be able to help at all the departments. Um, losing <clears throat> guys like Tulo and uh, Sean Allen was, it was pretty tough, especially back to back and kind of the way we did it. It almost, you know, and this is pure assumption. It seemed like it, we were kind of caught off guard by both of those, right? You know, Sean Allen got the axe, and then Tulo stayed with the team in Omaha, went out to Southern California to interview for that job, and you know, didn't take it. That team has only made the uh, the tournament since like twice since 2002. So you know, they've had seen better days there for a team who has, I think, the most national championships of all programs. But uh, yeah, man, we officially made our hire, uh, Steve Rodriguez. Was a coach last year of baseball. I mean, was it was a coach last year at Baylor? Uh, he's gonna be coming on as the uh, assistant coach, um, hitting coach. He's uh, you know, he played at Pepperdine and he coached at Pepperdine. Uh, he won a national championship there in 1992. And funny enough, that year they beat Texas twice and then beat a Augurito coach Cal State Fullerton team to win that that national title there at Pepperdine. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, he was at Baylor. Uh, you know, Baylor's had a couple, you know, good players, solid hitters. So hopefully that, you know, offense can keep carrying. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a pretty solid hire. It wasn't that splash home run hire that everyone was kind of looking for. But, um, you know, it keeps we, we, California and Texas recruiting has been really good. You know, he's given us Pete, Lucas Gordon, Murphy Staley. So his connections to Pepperdine and, you know, out west kind of that that pipeline kind of stays open. So hopefully we can keep pull, pulling guys from California because uh, it's been good there. And then uh, our pitching coach as of was it the second is uh, Woody Williams. He was a volunteer assistant at, you know, Juco Powerhouse uh, San Jack. Uh, he played, I think it was 13 years in the MLB. Uh, a lot of that was with the, the Cardinals. So, yeah, solid. I mean, I. I know we've kind of heard some things about him and, you know, his name being thrown around, but I think it's a pretty solid hire. Uh, kind of we needed a real pitching coach. Um, Sean Allen was pretty much a pitching coach by title only. Uh, David Pierce, you know, was supposed to do a lot of that thing. He's more of a pitching coach. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to hire, man. It, you know, Juco is a, breeds a different kind of kid, different kind of animal. So hopefully, you know, he can help our, you know, blue chip prospects that are already on campus get better, but also help I identify you know talents uh you know see what kids are good at and um and help those you know kids get better everything i've read on i've been reading a bunch of people's tweets on twitter saying that he's a great you know he's a player's coach you know he's a great mentor that he you know he's good for all these kids and you know he he gives attention just as much to the ace as he does uh a true freshman coming in to help them develop so and then uh yeah so yeah i'm happy with that hire man i'm happy with that hire we still kind of haven't really uh, figured out, you know, the whole recruiting aspect, um, who's going to be the recruiting director and all that. But I'm sure as, you know, the weeks go on, we'll kind of answer those questions. And I'm sure Texas is going to kind of still go out there and get a volunteer assistant. So we're kind of waiting for that to to fall. But, yeah, you know, the guys that who we got are, you know, who we have. And uh, we lost a lot of guys in the portal. But I think we can officially expect, back Dylan Campbell, Mitchell Daly, Kimball Schuessler, Jack O'Dowd, 
uh, Ace Whitehead, Cam Constantine, and Peyton Powell. Uh, and then in the bullpen, you know, we don't know how long it's going to take for him to recover and come back, but Tanner Witt, Lucas Gordon, Zane Morehouse, Travis Daly, Coy Cobb, Jared Southern, Luke Harrison, LeBaron Johnson Jr., and Andre Duplantier. So those are our guys. And then uh, I'm not getting my hopes up, but Hodo Kennedy still, I think the draft will kind of tell us uh, where we're going to go with where those guys are going to go, but I think it's pretty safe to say they won't be back in the 40 acres. Yeah, I saw uh, Pete and Melendez and Hodo all on uh, MLB Network, so I, I would like to say that Hodo knows where he's going to be going in the draft. So, but um, I know I think before last time before we uh, finished or before our episode was over, we we were able to get a USC catcher come in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me pull up. What's his name? Should have had this stuff prepared. My bad. But yeah, we uh, took a catcher and a pitcher, I believe, from uh, from USC, which is you know pretty solid for us. Oh man, we'll I mean, come back. I, yeah, we'll, we'll find his name. We'll come back. But um, it's it's good. We needed a catcher coming in, um, someone that can. Uh, help the pitchers and be that backstop that we, uh, Silas was for the last couple of years. Uh, the catcher is Garrett. Oh, man, I'm going to butcher this last name. Gilmit. Gilmit. Um, yeah, you know he's solid. I think he's. I mean, he started a ton of games over there. I'm trying to find the numbers uh, exactly, but yeah, he I mean, he's been great, and that's kind of one of those positions where. You want to have your experience. You want to have a great, you know, good catcher. You know, we were lucky enough to have Salas for, you know, the, the three years on campus. He was two of those starting, and you know, he for the most part, you know, he was a brick wall back there. So, uh, we have a great, you know, recruit coming in, uh, Rylan Galvan from, you know, Sinton, uh, coached by, you know, friend of the podcast Adrian Alniz, and you know, that guy, you know, has all the upside in the world. But you know, true freshman is a true freshman. You kind of like to have someone with a little bit of experience. Uh, on the roster, who's played a lot, and I think you know we've uh, we've gotten that with this guy. So, uh, how do you feel about the guys coming back? Um, I like Campbell. Um, hopefully, Daly can get his offense around. But you know, Daly is a solid glove at second. Um, it's just gonna be totally different, man. We're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to really pay attention in the beginning of the year to see when we start. I think we won't have a a trish, a a uh, solid starting lineup until conference play, probably. You know, he's, you know, Pierce is going to be throwing people in and out, uh, seeing what he gets, getting his best batting lineup and getting his best filling lineup out there, you know, because, like, <clears throat> this year's going to be, di- this upcoming year is going to be difficult for baseball. You know, it's I saw a tweet, someone put a tweet out there. It's like, this is the first time I've been more, I've been more, or, Texas football seems headed in the right direction more than Texas baseball has, which yeah. is it's kind of true. You know, we did lost a lot of arms and the coaches that we did lose are kind of surprising. But you know, Pierce is all Pierce has done is win. He's had one bad year, but you know, you can't expect. I I don't. Uh, we'll see what we, see what happens. Um, stranger things that happen with uh, with our teams and stuff like that. So. But it's definitely be a bunch of new faces out there. We'll have, we'll definitely have like depth chart names out, depth charts, and looking at these people, and so we need to get all the right names for sure. Yeah, I think the biggest wild card right now is the draft, right? Kind of getting that thing out of the way, you know, seeing who's going to get taken and who's actually going to make it to the forty out of the commits we do have. Um, yeah, I think after that, we'll be able to kind of take a look and see what we really have, and I'm sure the coaches after that period will. Uh, We'll look and see, you know, where they need to, what spots they need to address in the transfer portal. But, um, yeah, man, you know, our recruiting class is great coming in. If one thing we know, it's, you know, Texas baseball won't be bad for long. I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but, you know, I'm sure there are going to be some growing pains. It's not going to be the team we had on the field the last two years. But um, I, I have uh, I, I have faith that, you know, they'll get it going. And If not, I, I don't want to say a coach that's been to Omaha – three of the last five years and technically three out of four because one of those was COVID uh, yeah. that kind of coaches on the hot seat. But I mean, I, I'm just going to say David Pierce is probably going to really be making his money this year. He's going to be earning that paycheck. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. I, and then the COVID year team, they were they started off hot too. So oh yeah, they were solid, man. They were solid. I've got to go watch them play LSU and in at Minute Maid, and because uh, we do the the Houston tourney that one, I think it's even years, and then the odd years, it's uh, the Fort Worth one, or vice versa, whatever the years are. But yeah, and I mean they lost that game and went to, but they looked, you know, they were solid. So. Um, yeah. Oh, and then we got the uh, right the right-handed pitching transfer uh, from Arkansas, Heston Toll too. You know that kid's big, uh, lanky, uh, and he, he's from Wichita Falls. So I'm pretty excited about him, man. So yeah, we got a long way to go for baseball. <laughs> We're gonna be waiting a long time. So you know we have a lot of uh, good interviews lined up that we'll be busting out over the next couple you know weeks to kind of hold people over and you know answer some more of these questions with people who are more, you know, plugged in with the program than we are. Yeah. So, yeah. So this, we'll put a little, we'll put a little bit, a little bow on uh, baseball for right now. Um, oh, well, I, one more thing uh, today, the city of El Paso announced that today is officially is Ivan Melendez day. I'm trying to pull up the. I think it's the, Ivan Melendez month. Is it really? Uh, El Paso City Council was named July 2022 Ivan Melendez Month in honor of the Texas Golden Spikes Award winner Ivan Melendez, who uh, will be honored a few different ways during the city's council meeting. So shout out to him. Actually, he cleaned up you know, all the na- major National Player of the Year awards, uh, including the Golden Spikes. And yeah, man, we were just, uh, it kind of sucks looking back. And, you know, I definitely, I could say, appreciated his time while he was here. But um, it seems really bittersweet, you know, that, uh, that we won't have him back. But, you know, hopefully they uh, retire at 17 sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then we'll just we'll keep looking. We'll watch where he gets drafted and start cheering for the for him on those teams. And hopefully he'll get to the, the league sooner, too. I'm just saying if I'm the Houston Astros and I'm Linda's on the board. I would definitely consider that. Imagine like the Hispanic Titanic in Houston, like playing in the, for the hooks organization coming up and all that, man. I think, you know, well, he's a great player, right? He deserves to be drafted, you know, wherever he goes, but what that would do in a market like the Astros, I think it would yeah. be insane. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and then, you know, they also have that short, short uh, left field too. So, so, but yeah, so, all right. So we got baseball, and now we're gonna we're gonna start moving into football a little bit more. Um, you know, like last week we talked about we were talking about all the huge commits we got. You know, we got Arch, we got all these guys commit right after them. You know, but then um, the big another big one we got was Jonathan Cook, the second uh, five star receiver. It looks like Arch got his got his receiver and he got his offensive line already. Yeah, you know, now he has, you know, Jonah Wilson and uh, and Jonte Cook. You know, I think Jonte Cook was kind of one of those bad-kept secrets that, you know, he was going to end up at Texas. Uh, and then we also, you know, got some beef, man. We finally got uh, Sadir Mitchell, man, from New Jersey, 6'5", 335-pound, four-star uh, defensive lineman. It's a big, big, big kid. And I wonder what they said his size shoe was. It was insane. It was like a size 18 or something like that. Like he's a massive kid. So I'm glad to see we're finally going and getting the size in the, in the trenches, because as we transition to, uh, to the SEC, you know, in the next couple of years, we're definitely going to need to beef that up. I think, you know, skill position wise, I think we're okay, you know, uh, but definitely in the trenches and, um, and depth chart wise, you know, there, we're going to need to beef that up. And then Billy Walton, he was only a three-star from Dallas, uh, South Oak Cliff. I'm really happy about him. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a dog, man. He's a dog. He's an edge rusher. Another position, you know, we haven't had someone at the, off the edge to kind of, you know, third and long. You know, they're going to put their their hand in the dirt and go get after the quarterback since Joseph Asai. And we had a bunch of transfers last year, but I, I don't want to say, you know, they missed, but they just kind of weren't what we expected. So. Um, he kind of reminds me of like a, a Malcolm Roach kind of player, you know, high energy, you know, going to get after the ball, physical. So, yeah, you know, it's been a quiet week so far. We kind of gotten uh, 
spoiled with all these recruitments coming in at one after another. But um, I think know it's a dead period now, so you know, hopefully we, they, you know, they have a couple of these silent commits that are going to be dropping on us to kind of, kind of, you know, curb our hunger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have, you know, we're still in the mix for a couple more uh, offensive weapons and some more defensive players. Um, you know, maybe they just might be holding on till the summer or till the to see how Texas plays out, see how they play on the field. But I, I expect another, at least another. We already got five. We already got three five stars. I expect at least maybe one more, two more, at least one more five star. Be nice. You know, get four, four, get four five stars out there. That'd be a pretty good class. Yeah, I think we're definitely in the running for Anthony Hill. It's out of us, Texas and A&M uh, for that one. So, you know, that would put us at four. And, um, yeah, I think if we get that one, we potentially land another one after that. So, yeah, I guess, you know, hopefully at least four, five tops, like you said. So, well, our recruiting wasn't the only thing that was making news this, uh, this week. It was – there's a lot of talk about the new – like – football realignment and everything like that. Um, we had USC and UCLA all kind of or commit to the Big Ten, which is absolutely ridiculous. Travel-wise, you know, travel, this location, philosophy, football style. I know it's more than just football, but, man, that's just a, you know, a New Jersey to – U.S. or yeah, from Rutgers in New Jersey, like that's just that's a crazy trip to do. Um, it's gonna be, it's kind of crazy because you have you know, and I think you saw like the Big Twelve, you know, the Big Twelve like when Texas OU said they were gonna go to SEC, it's like oh what's gonna happen to the Big Twelve? And now the Big Twelves they're gonna sweep in and take over the Pac-12. I think they're talking to six teams in the Pac-12 to join them. Um, Notre Dame's kind of Waiting in the wind probably might end up in the big in the Big Ten too. Um, SEC is talking about maybe grabbing a couple more teams. It's gonna be crazy. I think that by the end, by the, when the dust settles, it's gonna be the North versus the South in college football. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Big Ten. I've seen you know Notre Dame, Stanford. A school like Stanford isn't gonna be out there long. You know, someone's gonna come in and soup them up. Um, Georgia Tech. Pitt, Cal, like, yeah, and then I saw uh, Florida State, Clemson, and Miami, right, possibly going to the SEC. I think those are the kind of schools out there, uh, out east, that kind of makes sense to add SEC. Um, so, yeah, and then big, I saw Big 12 expansion today. Let me pull up that list of teams that were. Uh, uh, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, um, and then maybe Oregon and Washington, too. Yeah, how funny is it that Colorado potentially going back to the Big 12, the conference yeah. they tried to leave? So, yeah, yeah, it's cool. insane. It's insane. Those are uh, huge conferences, man. Like, I can't even. There's, yeah, it's gonna be weird to see how they gonna do this out. Like, you know, the pods or how they're gonna figure out these schedules. But uh, I remember reading, and I can't uh, verify that this is true, but in the Big 12 bylaws, and like if X amount of teams left the Big 12. The the contracts were like null and void. So hopefully this is a way for Texas and Oklahoma to get out of the, you know, the Big 12 even faster without having to pay that huge, huge right. exit fee. I think Texas already has that check written. Just oh. like, it's not even in their mind right now. It's already the bank account, and it's just sitting there waiting, waiting on OU really. Um, the I think I think. This year's our last year in the Big 12. Move over to the SEC in 2023 um, and then see what happens with uh, the scheduling there. Um, but, yeah, just all this all, all this new realignment and stuff, like you're just – with more teams joining bigger – big conferences and, you know, Big 12 pulling in pretty much four uh, group of five uh, teams into the Power Five now, like the playoffs have to expand. Like, 
because eventually you're just going to, like, what are you going to – you have Texas, Oklahoma, and the, and the SEC. And so, say, you know, hypothetically you have um, an East team and a West team. They meet in the SEC, and they each oh, – one out of that out of those two teams, they each only, they, there's only one loss. The two SEC teams are going to go. Now, the Big Ten with all these new teams – you know, and they have a conference tournament, and they only have one loss. That's two teams. So it's like two, two teams versus a big ten from the Big Ten and the Big East going. You know, the Big Twelve, the best team in the Big Twelve after Texas OU leave, like which is crazy to say because Texas is down and they haven't won the Big Twelve well. Might be Baylor, but Baylor's not going to get the pub like the pub to go to the playoffs. Like yeah, a lot of people hate. Like, I think the only team that really has a shot is probably like Oklahoma State. I think where you can see players yeah. get behind. Uh, it's Cincinnati. If they keep the momentum going that they've had, they can easily make it. I think. But you know, what do you do with an ACC team that's a one-loss ACC champion? Like, how do they get in? Like, there's gonna be, they just gonna have to expand to be bigger. But how big? This is like eight teams, sixteen. I feel like adding, you know, two more teams doesn't fix the problem. It's I like. Think eight. Eight's a good number to start with, and because you can do for, from my eyes, what you because, and I think we'll end up having four conferences. So you take the top two in each team. You take the winner of the, well, you take the champion, and you put them as like one, two, three, four, and then the not not necessarily like not the player the the second best team overall, not like the who they play the champion because that that one division could be weaker than the others. You know what I mean? So whoever overall is the second team overall, you put them at five, six, seven, eight, and then you just bundle up and you wind it up and go there. Cause we will have, it's just, I think the Pac-12 is going to dissolve pretty soon. Everybody's coming after their teams. So, but yeah, I, I, I just, unless the NCAA goes away and all these teams govern themselves, or like they come up with the new, system and i think that's what you're kind of going towards inevitably right you know yeah i think the ncaa is not liked by anybody and you know they're just collecting money that they don't really deserve and i think these big 12 commissioners or these not big 12 commissioners, these commission uh, conference commissioners are being like hey man you know we get you know 16 18 of the like the sec dude they can go to any major network and kind of you know bargain their own deals over there and get more money and get it directly paid to them without having to go through the NCAA. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's only interesting times. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of legal work they have to jump through to get to the new, what they're wanting to do. Um, so let's get back to our team here. Uh, I know we told you all last week, we're going to break down the tight ends and quarterbacks. We'll do a quick review from last year's stats. It's really quick. Hudson Carr was the only person that played last year for the quarterbacks and tight ends that we have left. Uh, and Jawan Davis, he played, um, but he didn't. Like, he, he had a couple of things, but Woodley wasn't special, anything special. Um, Houston Carr had, was, he had 83 attempts for completed 51 passes, 509 yards, and five touchdowns, and had 26 rushing attempts for 17 yards and no touchdowns. So that doesn't look great. Um, that's why I think we believe Quentin Ewers is going to be the quarterback of the of the future this year and next year at least. Yeah, I don't think you kind of bring in a guy like Quinn and uh, you know jump through all the hoops you got to do and you know have the whole Texas Tech Texas battle for him and then not give him the starting job. Uh, I'm not saying it's like it, it, it's a, a foregone conclusion, but I think it kind of is. Um, yeah, man, I, I think um, Hudson Card just kind of showed us how gun shy he was almost in that Arkansas game, right. where it's like you know when the pressure's on, he just wants to kind of tuck and run. When he's trying to throw the ball, he has a terrible feel for pressure. Uh, he just you know d- doesn't feel it unless he's tucking the ball to run. Uh, he's super athletic, man. He's shown some great plays and, you know, in the spring game and, you know, at times last year. But, but I just I, – I, I don't think we're going to have anyone but 
Queen Ewers back there, you know, uh, come to game one. So, yeah, I know. Hopefully, you know, hopefully the quarterback battle goes, you know, deep into the in, into the off season and, you know, up until, you know, week zero, because that means there's competition and that's what you want, right? You want the best players pushing the best players. And, um, but I think, you know, anybody who does think, I don't think there's anyone that thinks Quinn Rivers isn't going to be the starting quarterback game one, especially if you roll out Hudson card game one, and then he doesn't do well. And then you're rolling out Quinn Rivers pretty much, you know, redshirt freshman against Alabama week two, like, uh, that's just that's a recipe for disaster. What that could do, possibly for a kid's career and morale, man, isn't you know very, isn't very great. But luckily, you know, I know we're not talking about running backs right now, but we have probably the best running back in the country uh, back there, and offensive weapons galore. So it kind of yeah. helps out her, you know, a little bit. Yeah. So you know, talk about uh, offensive weapons, you know. Ewers, whoever it is, is either Cart Ewers, even Murphy. You know, I love Malik Murphy. I think I kind of feel bad for the kid, but we'll see what he can do in the spring or in the fall. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, it's offensive weapons. You know, last year all our tight end play is gone. Cade Brewer's gone. Um, uh, Jarrett Wiley's gone, and we're bringing in some new guys with uh, the transfer, uh, Jaleel Billingsley, and then the. Our lone five star from last year and Trevion Sanders. You know, Trevion didn't really play that much. He wasn't enough for a lot of running and run blocking. But in the spring game, man, that dude looked good. I, I'm I'm super excited to see what he can do for us. Um he's super athletic. He's six four, two, two fifty-three, can block and can catch. I see him, you know, spreading the See him being a lone target, target in the middle of the field. Uh, I'm super excited for these for uh, our tight ends this year. I haven't felt good about our tight ends since Michael Finley. Yeah, definitely. I think last year, Jatavian Sanders was still kind of up in the air whether he was going to, you know, have his hand in the dirt on defense or play offense. Um, you know, he was a standout at both positions. I think he was the number one. Yeah, he was the number one athlete of his class uh, overall. And, uh, yeah, you know, we have some names there. You know, we got the Braden Lee Brock, Redshirt Jr., uh, Jawan Mitchell, he's a sophomore, or Juan Davis, I'm sorry. He's a sophomore, uh, Gunnar Helm, sophomore, uh, Jaleel Billingsley, uh, he's a senior transfer from Alabama. And then, uh, obviously, Jatavia Sanders, he's a uh, sophomore. Uh, and I, But I think out of those names, you know, you'll probably see Jatavia Sanders as the one, Billingsley as a two. Uh, I know Billingsley more of, is more of a pass catching guy. Uh, he's you know probably going to make uh, you know more of the highlight. The, the, you know you'll see him running more routes and stuff. And uh, Sanders is going to be your bigger guy, maybe probably your red zone target. But yeah, I think this is definitely the best uh, the best tight end room we've had in you know in a long long time. But it's also super crowded, man. There's lots of names in there, so. You know, I, Gunnar Helm was a guy like I was really high on him coming out of high school. So hopefully he can find you know some ways to get on the field and you know make some plays. But I think you know Jatavian Sanders, he's just a superstar man. He's a big, athletic. You know, he's a bully. If you don't know who he is, just YouTube him. I'm sure you'll see his one-handed catch in the state championship game. That's that's you know the high, number one highlight everyone thinks of when they think of him. So I think you know we're in good hands there. So yep. Yeah, yeah. The tight ends are gonna, you know, there's, they're good. We have what we need there. Uh, I know we have two more tight ends that are verbal commits right now. So, you know, this tight end class is going to be kind of, tight end will be kind of filled again for next year, next couple of years. But you know, I think Trickies has shown that they, he kind of likes tight ends, um, and not like, like not just traditional tight ends and not the flex tight ends. He likes mixing them up and doing stuff like that, um, putting them all over the field so you can get the best mismatch you can. So, um, you you know, you just with, I, I kind of imagining, you know, you have Worthy, Worthy Willie, Winnie 10 and Neuer out there, three wide, Robinson in the backfield, and 
Sanders in the middle, Sanders tied in, like, slotted, like, in line. Like, what do you, like, who covers who? Like, the safeties can't cover Sanders because they're not big enough. Linebackers can't cover Sanders because they're not fast enough. And then you have Robinson coming out of the backfield, like. Or Roshan or Keelan, you know. Yeah. It's like, pick your poison. Yeah, so, you know, there's going to be – a lot of Texas fans, I believe, can, are what they see and what they're hyped about this year is we got mismatches, mismatches everywhere on the field. You know, we believe we have the quarterback in yours um, that can get it done. But it's just it's going to come down to the guys we will talk about next week, you know, the, the, the big uglies up front. Like, we'll, we'll break down those guys and – who you think we should? Who you think is gonna start? You know what freshmen are gonna come in and start right away? Like people, but for me, it's like I can see any like if I'm just your average, a little bit more than average, and uh, and like football mind, and I can see mismatches all over the field. So can Shakizian, and it's gonna come down to those linemen keep letting yours have enough time to throw the ball. So yeah, all you, need, for the offense. all you need is a little bit of time. And we saw what someone, you know, like Casey Thompson, who he was a good quarterback, but I don't want to say he's just dude. He couldn't make every single throw on the field, you know, but we have a guy now who can with Quinn. He's showing us he can make every single throw. Um, it's just about, like you said, about giving him the time. And, you know, Sark took a guy like, you know, Casey Thompson and made him the touchdown leader in the big 12. Imagine what he can do with, Someone like Quinn, if our offensive line can give him just a, a little bit of time, um, yeah. showing that the offense is there. And yeah, I mean, it, it, second half adjustments are going to have to be fixed. I think that was a problem last year during our uh, our losing streak that we ran off. Like it's like they came out and it was just not the same team, right? Like yeah. it was like Space Jam, the monster, like drinking that the juice with the opposite of it. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure a lot of you know they have a long they hear everything and I don't, you know, they're watching film and they're going to be able to address some of those things. And hopefully uh, they're coming up with some interesting ways to, you know, get the ball in all of these weapons hands. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, we haven't had this problem in a while. It's usually like, okay, we got two guys. Hell, double covering our two guys. Let's, what can we do with the ball? So, but yeah, it's definitely a good thing to have. Um, Excited for our tight ends. Excited for the tight, the quarterback um, matchups yeah. in the fall. You know, we like as I said on uh, the show, we believe Ewers will be the be the quarterback. Um, and it's just like you know, there's gonna, there's gonna be other shows that can break it down and like give you stats and stuff, but we don't really have stats on Ewers yet. You know, we just want to see we, well, from what we saw from the spring game. And what we've seen in the, you know, from his high school highlights, like, he just looks like a good guy that can get it done. Well, there aren't really any stats either. He had, like, three yeah. snaps, two snaps last year. They were both handoffs. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's – and then he's also technically a true freshman this year because he reclassified to go to Ohio State early. And so and he's an entire year removed from, you know, uh, from playing football. And then he had that injury his, you know, senior year at Southern Carroll. So it's been a long time since he played football. So, I mean, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, like I said, next week we'll break down the uh, offensive line, um, and then we'll probably, we'll get into. Let's see. Uh, we'll get we'll get into our first game. Um, Louisiana Monroe. We'll kind of look over some stats from them from last year. See who their coaches are. What kind of philosophy they have in the offense and defensive styles, and see what. We like what we think we can take advantage of, and where our advantages will be. So we'll talk about we'll talk about Louisiana Monroe next week as well. Um, we'll try to keep you all, like uh, up to date on some of the baseball stuff going on. If there's anything moving on, and especially recruiting as well. But we're gonna get into our top five, and our top five this week is gonna be recruiting. Our top five favorite recruiting wins. Um, I wanna let James go first on these. Yeah, so I kind of went back and, you know, kind of looked at some of our classes to kind of not not say refresh my memory, but just, you know, it, it, 
there's so many kids you take in the class and um so these aren't necessarily the best wins we had or you know the highest rated guys but some of just personal favorites uh number five i'm gonna go with brennan eagles wide receiver from Elite taylor uh his family members are some good buddies of mine here in victoria so it was it was cool to see uh, a talent like him come to texas and you know even though you know one of my buddies is a one of the biggest LSU fans uh, in the world. It was still kind of cool to see their family, you know, go to Texas and, uh, and that, uh, four would be Jordan Whittington. He's another, he's a local kid from Quero, which is, you know, 20, 30 minutes away from where I live. Uh, I know his brother, uh, local kid, you know, one of the highest rated prospects I can ever remember from this area. You don't get a lot of five stars, uh, this South, of Houston so it was cool to see what he did his senior year at Quero and um, how good of a player he was and then to ultimately choose Texas you know that was just one of my favorite wins uh, number three I have to take it back 2006 I was a sophomore in high school uh, this is Sergio Kendall uh, from Dallas Woodrow Wilson he was the number one player in the state uh, I just remember him being all over the place this was you know early days of recruiting online so it isn't you know as big as it is now but Sergio Kendall was just one of those guys I remember being super excited about when he picked Texas number two uh Malik Miss Malik Jefferson number one player in the state you know linebacker from Poteet I remember you know coming down to the wire national signing day uh thought he was gonna go to A&M and he ended up you know pulling the trigger coming to Texas uh yeah you know the predator all that super hyped up that was a one of the happiest, you know, recruiting decisions I can remember in a long time. And then number one, hands down, forever, will be Brandon Jones because of the Texas A&M Texas docu- Texags documentary they made on him. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to YouTube, search Brandon Jones, you know, A&M. And they went and they did a whole documentary on Brandon Jones in high school. And then he ended up uh, picking Texas anyway. So thank you, Texags, for wasting your time and uh, creating a documentary for someone who didn't even choose your school. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's it's pretty good. Um, so for mine, um, I didn't, I guess it looks like both of us, we didn't pick any kids that haven't officially signed here. Um, but I want to, so, because like, you know, of course, you know, Arch would be a good one once, but once he signs, we'll, He'll be one of our favorites, and he actually is on the 40 and stuff. So, but I want to start with number. I'll start with number five as well. Mine was Malik Jefferson. Um, kind of, I was kind of late into the recruiting bit. Um, I, I never really had paid sites to look at. I just kind of just followed it on Twitter. But Jefferson, you know, he did the whole like count shirt countdown like every shirt he wore like wasn't that team for the last three days and then he ended up wearing a texas texas jacket i believe or texas shirt under his jacket for the last day um and then alfred collins is number four um he's he's out of bash shop which is near my hometown elgin um you know kind of he's a big kid and uh hope hope he uh shows up for a couple more years um, my favorite, so number three is going to be, uh, Coburn, because he, I remember seeing his commitment on Twitter, and then the very first comment was, uh, Baker Mayfield going, going out of, oh, like, why would you pick, I guess he was between us and OU, and he's like, why would you pick mm-hmm. Texas, like, they don't win anything, blah, blah, we'll see you in but in that year, Coburn, Coburn, his freshman year, we we beat, I think uh, we beat the OU and won the Golden Hat. So that was a great just recruiting little tip story right there. Um, and then number two is Brandon Jones, just because of the same thing in the Texas Ags, making this that video and everything like that, and he coming to coming to Texas and being a pretty good player. Like he's he's pretty yeah. good. And then I have to say my top is Robinson, Rajon J. Robinson. Um, you know, Tom Herman didn't do a lot of good things the last couple of years he was here in recruiting wins, but he got that one right. And I'll thank him for that, for sure. 
Um, but yeah, because like, I know he was quiet for a while. He was going to be, and a lot of people were expecting him to be the silent Ohio State. And then he turned around, pulled the trigger, and was at Texas. And he's been whatever he's been advertised. He's so good. Gonna hate to see him leave, but the kid's special. Yeah, he's gonna make a lot of money in the NFL this year. For this upcoming so far now. Yeah, definitely, definitely the Lambos and all that stuff. But you know, and to kind of touch on something, you know, he was a private school kid from Arizona, which isn't, you know, the most football heavy area of the country. And um, it's funny because you know you get on Twitter and every pretty much every team in the country wanted Arch Manning at their program, but yeah. as soon as he doesn't pick him now, he automatically sucks. And he has two-way competition and he's private school, but like Bijan is pretty much the same thing except a different part of the, the country. So it that just goes to show you that that that's that you can't take that shit into account. It's just everyone's just jealous that you know Arch chose Texas. Yeah, it, to me, like with private schools, you know, there's I don't know his situationals like what where he actually lived in Arizona. It was a bad high school, but the private schools for like this for kids to go play sports and get a better get a better education, like. Robinson and Arch are not dumb kids. Like they're very smart. Um, Robinson seems very humble as being like the face of the university kind of right now. And with all these deals he's getting, like I know we had a a story about a recruit was talking to him and asked him who his name was, and it, it asked about the end of the story, like what was his name? Is oh yeah, it was Jaja, and he's like, oh wow, like he didn't. That was you know, a Billy Walton. Yeah, it was Billy Walton. Yeah. He was talking to someone, asking how it was, and he was like, man, this dude's really down to earth. Like, what's your name again? He was like, Bijan Robinson. He was like, oh, shit. So, yeah. So. Those are the kind of guys you want representing the university and, you know, doing the right thing. You know, like I said, not the bashing the kids. We saw that running back from Kentucky today get the DUI and all that stuff. And I, for the most part, Bijan doesn't seem like he's going to be that guy. He's always saying the right things, doing the right things keeping his head down you barely see him you know post anything on social media i think the only thing i saw was you know all these reminders of the five and seven season you're exactly what we need you know just motivation to get out there and so yeah i'm hopefully we can bring that third heisman home this year and you know three running backs you know you have uh earl ricky and hopefully Bijan. that's gonna be a mouthful for a field yeah the the Earl, the Campbell Williams Robinson field. Yeah. Uh, so, are you have any? Do you have any like the tire questions? Uh, okay. So my second one is the those black cat fireworks are the most annoying fireworks. Yeah, yeah, they don't really serve any purpose. They don't like the M1000s or M80s, whatever they were called. You know, at least those could blow up, you know, some bottles or something. Um, you know, yeah, I, I like the tower on that one. Those are kind of pointless and dumb. I think we used to like take them apart to where it was just the little wicks and try to light them and throw them without popping your fingers off. That was like the most entertaining thing to see how fast you could light them and get rid of them with those things. Yeah, we, we, we did some fireworks over here with the. Uh... Um, some friends and you know we have some little kids out here and we're doing like fountains then we did some big ones in the skies but our neighbors just threw out like a long roll of black hats and like kind of like scared our little kids i was like man like you see us out here with kids like little kids like two two and one years old like i give us a heads up you're gonna do that because one we can cover their ears because those things are loud and so yeah not a, not a fan of those at all. Yeah, we're kind of uh, in the city limits, but kind of you know north of town, almost like to the outskirts. So we can't pop fireworks in our neighborhood, but uh, and we're far away from where the city community center usually is, where they have the big fireworks show. But yeah, we saw some people around here popping up fireworks last night. You know, getting the dogs all riled up and stuff. So <laughs> I, as a kid, I liked you know fireworks, but now I'm kind of like, man, I'm in bed by ten. Come on, let's turn this off. I gotta go to work in the morning. But, um, yeah, yeah, those definitely the annoying ones. Uh, I'm going to keep it 
uh, 4th July related. I'm sure you've seen this going on Twitter, but I'll ask you uh, for our listeners. The uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Is it impressive what Joey Chestnut can do or is it disgusting? I guess let me rephrase it. Uh, Like the tower, it's one of the most impressive eating feats you've seen in a long time. Yeah, I I say it's impressive. If it, like, you know, as a man watching someone just house hot dogs all day long, that's, uh, yeah, okay. It's pretty impressive. I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's the coolest thing in the world to do, but, hey, uh, he gets paid to eat. And be very good at what he is, at what he does. So I don't know. I, I guess it's it's impressive. It's just I I couldn't do it. I definitely know I couldn't do it. Especially getting, especially this year. You know, he had a torn Achilles, and then somebody tried to protest in front of him, so he had to take him down and kept eating. So to like this year's for sure was very impressive. So yeah. I love hot dogs, man. They're one of my favorite foods. I don't care how gross people say the whatever it is. But once you kind of start taking the bun off and dunking it in water and all that, you lose me, man. It's like not even – it's not even appeasing, like appetizing anymore, man. Like, yeah. But hopefully it's impressive like, how many he can eat. And he's not a big dude either. You yeah. know, I'm a big, like, buffet fan. And, like, every time I go, I talk myself into, like, man, I'm going to go – pound a bunch of plates and then i show up super hungry and i end up eating like a plate and a half and waste all this money and I'm, like, I'm full i'm ready to go home yeah. it's probably the MSG in there but so for him to be able to be that small and able to eat that much hot dogs man I like the tower it's pretty impressive to me i'll uh, do the last one football related uh recruiting related uh like the tower if you think texas will finish with five five star recruits in this class yeah, I think so. I think they will. Um, I think, uh, well, because, like, let's see, um, you know, Hill is kind of, Hill could be easily, you get one. Um, these four stars, one of these four stars that we have could end up jumping out to be a five star after their senior season. So. I think I think we'll end up with five. Um, do you think? I guess the real question is, will they be the number one? Will we have the number one class? <sighs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna like this out on the number one class, just because I think it's really hard to get that number one uh, class. I think I think we'll finish top two, and I think that's just fine with me. You know, I think the one is just kind of. Uh, I don't know. I I, uh, I think we're going to have to go to get the number one class, and I got to look at the numbers. I don't know how big. I think we can take a full class this cycle, um, but I don't think it'll be one. I'm looking at the five stars right now that are out there, and I think realistically we have a shot with uh, – man. Sorry. A Javian Taviano. I think he's he's right now uh, two for seven has him 100% to Texas, which is a heavy lean. Uh, he's a cornerback from Arlington Martin. He's the number four player in the state. I think he's our best shot at landing that fourth uh, five star. Ruben Owens is there. I, I think that one that boat's kind of sailed. Uh, Anthony Hill, he's still considered on here as an A and M lean, but I think he is our best our next best guy getting the fifth five star. And if we can get him, I think it falls into place for us to land David Hicks, uh, who's the number one player in the state, uh, a defensive uh, lineman from Katie. Uh, right now he's an A&M lean, but I, as much as uh, good old Jimbo likes to say, they're not, you know, cutting checks. I think uh, they're not going to stand – the A&M boosters aren't going to sit around and take all these, you know, these whoopings from Texas. I think eventually they'll bust out the checkbooks and try to money whip some of these five stars to kind of, you know, cut the momentum of Texas. But, you know, it's it's, it's hard to do when you have someone like Arch Manning commits to, you know, probably arguably the biggest commitment in the modern recruiting era. 
you know, it goes a long way. But, you know, uh, after I said that, I'm going to actually I'll change my mind. I'm going to like the tower. I say we finish in the one class and at least five, five stars. Yeah, because if you, I think if you get, you know, we got one, one more five star leaning. Anthony Hill, I think, is a 50 50 right now. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know, when, when is Anthony Hill, does he have a decision date? Oh, I think I saw something. I don't think he had it set. I think I a lot of people said it could two. win. Let me see. I'm pulling up his Twitter right now. Um, let me see. Yeah, no, I don't see. I know he put out his final two six days ago. It was Texas and Texas A&M. But I don't think there's a set date for his uh, commitment. I think he's one of the ones who might possibly take it, you know, into his senior season. Uh, hopefully he doesn't make his wait until National Signing Day or one of the, the big bowl games. But, um, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys where if he takes it into the season, we can definitely, you know, help our case by putting a good product on the field. I think uh, if Texas can, you know, win some ball games, this one's – make it more of a no-brainer. But, yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling through his Twitter right now. I don't see anybody – see any uh, specific dates. David Hicks. Check David Hicks's. David Hicks was the guy who – reportedly reached out to Texas and was like, hey, you know, y'all want me to come get me uh, between now and, you know, National Signing Day. So I think he's another kid who's going to take it uh, deep into the process. And then JV and Taviano, uh, which, you know, we're considered the favorite for him. Let me see if he has a spot wrong. Um, sorry. It's, I think, yeah. I don't see anything for him either. Nothing for him. So, you know, you have a couple of people that could switch our way with um, a great, with a good season, really, honestly. We had a good season. And the defense looks like the defense should with under Coach K. Uh, we could be, could be very good. Yeah, we'll just kind of see how it goes. And, you know, if Texas can recruit this way after a 5-7 and seven season, like we've said for years, imagine what they could do with the come off 10, 11, 12 win seasons if they can, you know, finally uh, you know, get across that hump. But, yeah, those are my like, tower questions. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us for this episode. Um, like I said, next week we'll be talking a little bit about universities. Louisiana Moreau and the offensive lineman. Um, thanks for listening, and we will talk to y'all next week. Have a good week. Hook them.